is cooking. Well, it's Friday. You know what that means. Good evening, wrestling fans. I am Archie Mitchell, and this is If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I know I took a week off, and my apologies to all of you, but real life did get in the way just a bit of me recording, but I promise you that will not happen again. We are back for another week of looking at AEW Rampage and Dynamite and NXT 2.0, as well as with a little bit of quick hits involved and what grinds my gears at the end to bring it all together. Now, a lot went on in that week that I was not available and was not covering. And I'll be honest with you, um, the stuff that went on in the WWE is not even worth mentioning. What went on in AEW, though, such as CM Punk uh, having a match on uh, Dynamite, uh, Daniel Bryan and Kenny Omega having a great match on Dynamite, um, 30-minute time limit draw. AEW is, um, has really been putting up a great fight uh, and has really been putting out a, uh, a great product. So very happy to hear that. As you heard, I cracked my frosty beverage already. You please feel free to do the same and join me as I spew my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. And let's get into some quick hits. Quick hit number one. The WWF draft happened over on SmackDown and Raw, and in my opinion, ladies and gentlemen, it was a total bust. I like the draft format better when uh, you were not seeing champions being drafted, or even if they were being drafted, they were actually being drafted to a new show. For instance, seeing Roman Reigns drafted to SmackDown, where he already was and is the universal champion, it just... It makes no sense hearing that as the first draft pick, you know what I mean? Or uh, Monday Night Raw is going to keep, um, you know, Kevin Owens. Or it, it, I don't understand. It. I, I see the point. You're making everybody a free agent, and then you're drafting them back to a show. But there are better people that should be being drafted, and you leave your champions alone, in my opinion. And if on the off chance they do get drafted... For instance, if Shinsuke Nakamura would have been drafted to Monday Night Raw, which he was not, he stayed on SmackDown, then you expect to hear that Damian Priest is going to go over to SmackDown. So this way the mid-card titles stay one on each show. But who am I to judge or say anything? I'm not Vince McMahon. Uh, One of the more stupider things, though, that did happen and was said during the draft on Monday Night Raw was um, Adam Pearce saying, just a reminder, None of these draft picks go into effect until the night after Crown Jewel. Um, then why did we do this three weeks ahead of schedule? What's going to happen for the next three weeks? Are we basically going to see wrestlers jumping from show to show for the next three weeks and it being utter chaos? Um, if that was the case, why didn't we just end the brand extension and make it all one show again? What, what was the purpose of two nights of you doing this draft with Adam Pierce and Sonia Deville sitting there on a podium, each drafting to a different show, when they both are the higher ups for one show, it's not like they're they're against each other. It made no little to no sense. Uh, and then they said the last draft pick was on Monday Night Raw, but guess what? Later on, on Talking Smack, there's more draft picks. What the hell? What the hell? Talk about five hours of boringness that put my ass to sleep more than once. And um, not a lot getting accomplished. Quick hit number two, Tajiri, formerly of ECW and the WWE, won the MLW middleweight title. Yes, this was at Fightland, which will be premiering or did premiere last night on Vice uh, at 10 p.m. And Tajiri, knowing his age, knowing what he's done through his career, to find out that he can still win gold, it's amazing. Congratulations to Yoshihiro Tajiri, who has always been one of my favorites. Uh, his his matches with Super Crazy and ECW um, and his tag team with William Regal in the WWF, some of my favorite things that he's ever done. And knowing that he is now a part of uh, MLW, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I, I only watched a little bit of Fightland. I'm going to go back and watch more of it. 
uh, after I'm done recording the show tonight. And I may even talk about it next week on If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking because <laughs> MLW uh, deserves to be watched right now on Vice. Uh, this could be an opportunity for them to get signed to a television deal. Uh, it could be an opportunity for another company to be growing. And they have all the makings of being uh, an incredible up-and-coming promotion that younger stars can go to and be grown and be given an opportunity that maybe WWE or AEW or even Impact are not giving right now. So, congratulations to Tajiri. Moving on to quick hit number three. This is actually one of my favorites. It's my second favorite one. The last one is my favorite. I'll get into it in a second, though. Number three. The King of the Ring Tournament will make its return, and the Queen's Crown Tournament are set to begin tonight on SmackDown during the season premiere. That's right. The King of the Ring is back, and they are actually starting a Queen of the Ring, calling it the Queen's Crown. I love this. I love tournaments in wrestling. I can never say that I, you know, I don't think tournaments should happen every other week. But a good tournament like the King of the Ring, or because a title got vacated and you have like a month and a half to kill you want to build up to your new champion a a a tournament is never a bad thing king of the ring has always been one of my favorites uh bret hart owen hart stone cold steve austin so many others getting their start becoming king of the ring and then a couple that just floundered and went away like uh, mabel and billy gunn even edge really didn't get over because of winning the king of the ring uh, he did so on his own, um, and then now knowing that they're doing a women's version, great. I I love that because there are so many women on the roster that could use that little kick in the butt to get some momentum. I'm hoping that if we do, when we do get a Queen of the Ring, Queen's Crown crowned, uh, it's a Zelina Vega or a Liv Morgan, a Carmella, even if it's Sonya Deville coming out of retirement, you know what I mean? I want it to be someone who has not been in a title picture recently or hasn't had an opportunity. I would hate for them to do all this for it to just be, oh, look, Charlotte Flair won another accolade. You know what I mean? Or Sasha Banks is now the Queen's Crown champ. It, it No, it should be someone that deserves it because they have yet to get the opportunity to grow and get up to the world title status. Like I said, as Alina Vega... Liv Morgan, uh, uh, even a Nikki A.S.H., I, I hate to say it, I know a lot of people don't like her, I do, Rhea Ripley, even though they're the tag team champions, a Natalia, go for it, you know, give me somebody who I'm not expecting, do not give me Charlotte Flair, please, whatever you do, do not give me Charlotte Flair. And our number four quick hit, my favorite of them all. Just announced this past Wednesday during the WOW Women of Wrestling Press Conference. AJ Lee, AJ Mendez, April, uh, uh, April Lee, um, she is the wife of CM Punk. April Brooks is returning to the ring with WOW. And all I can say is WOW. There was talks when CM Punk came back and joined AEW. Was she going to be following him? Would she be, you know, in AEW? And Punk said, no, I. she has a bad neck. I really don't want her in the ring here. I don't want her to risk getting hurt. Uh, so I'm really not a fan of her doing that. He, he, he tore down all the rumors. Okay, fine. But now we find out that she is coming back with, wow, women's of wrestling. Uh, Tessa Blanchard is signed on there, and a lot of other great women who are not signed to a WWE or AEW contract. Um, I don't know if AJ is going to be fighting, or if she may be coming in as an authority figure or what. They have yet to really mention her role. But knowing that AJ Lee, um, who was my personal favorite woman's wrestler during the Divas division, um by all means, is coming back to the biz, to the wrestling business. Thank you. If, even if it's just an authority figure role like she was with Raw when she was the Raw GM, okay, because she deserves it. Her career got cut short. 
it would all the BS that went on with Punk and the WWE and then her injuring her neck and everything that went on. I know that she's had a lot of anxiety and depression in her life, and she has battled back, wrote in books about it, more power to her. If this gives her an opportunity to have wrestling as an outlet yet again, so be it. I'm all for it. Welcome back, AJ Lee, to the wrestling business. So we will now switch gears into our show review, and it is AEW Rampage from last Friday night. And as you know, AEW wastes no time. We go right to the ring, ladies and gentlemen. And our opening match was Brian Danielson taking on Nick Jackson. It was, you know, I like Nick Jackson. I think he's a fantastic wrestler. I want to get that out of the, out of the, you know, way right away. But people are saying Brian Danielson actually got a perfect match out of Nick Jackson. Well, that's what wrestlers are supposed to do. You help elevate your partner in the ring there. Whether he'd be your tag team partner or your opponent, you help elevate. And if it took Brian Danielson to do that, so be it. Early going, Jackson tried to keep away from Danielson, but Danielson kept with Nick. Danielson wore the young buck down with continued arm and wrist control. Jackson finally got control and used a top rope splash to put Danielson down. Exchange of punt and super kicks until Jackson locked in a sharpshooter on Danielson. Danielson fought back and put on the cattle mutilation and secured a submission victory at the 20-minute mark. Now, I hope you're all paying attention. Last week on Dynamite, 30-minute match with Kenny Omega. This week on AEW, on Rampage, 20-minute match with Nick Jackson. Daniel Brian Danielson is proving that he is deserving of being a true wrestler's wrestler to be able to stay in there night in, night out, 20, 30, 40 minutes at a time. Way to go, Brian Danielson. Uh, another incredible opener from AEW uh, on Rampage. Uh, it's It's been great opening matches every week, and I enjoy it. That's what kind of makes Rampage stand out more than anything else. Post-match, the Elite brawled with Christian Danielson and Jurassic Express. Jungle Boy put Adam Cole in the snare trap, and Danielson put Omega uh, in the S-lock to get a double tap out and get the crowd on their feet. Backstage, Hobbs and Hook throw to Ricky Stark and a special message from Brian C- for Brian Cage. Ricky delivers a great promo saying that it's because of Cage, it's, it's just because Cage is bigger that people think that he's going to win. People assume he's better. Stark's plans to prove everyone wrong when he and Brian Cage finally meet again. CM Punk sends a message to the entire AEW roster. He knows there's a target on his back, but that's what how he wants it. We then go to the ring for a triple threat match, and it's <coughs> Jade, Thunder Rosa, <coughs> and Nyla Rose in this battle. <coughs> People are saying that it was a battle of monsters. Well, Yes, Jade is a six foot one. Nyla Rose is a monstrous woman, and Thunder Rosa can definitely turn into a pretty badass bitch when she wants to be. So, if you want to call it the Battle of the Monsters, by all means, go ahead. Thunder starts off in control with kicks and a nice bulldog on Jade. Nyla takes over and hits a power slam on Rosa for a two count. Jade and Rosa come face. Jade and Nyla Rose come face to face and deliver right hands. Thunder with a missile drop kick. On Jade, but no pin. That's a mistake, in my opinion. Thunder Rosa puts Nyla Rose through a table, but Jade uses a chair multiple times and is able to secure a pinfall at the 10-minute mark. Now, this wasn't bad. Thunder Rosa kept all the other women in line, in my opinion, because there were not any real botches in this match, because when it was not Thunder Rosa with Nyla, it was Thunder Rosa with Jade. She was able to keep them at a nice, slow pace and not make it go too off the rails. So, Hats off to her. Good win for Jade, and it's nice to see her actually get a, ma- a win and a match where she didn't almost kill somebody. Same for Nyla Rose. We then go to Malachi Black delivering a strong message to Cody Rhodes. I've enjoyed every bit of this feud, and I do hope it continues, but I also hope that Arn Anderson continues doing what he's doing. That promo from him last week on Dynamite. I don't know if the memes are cracking me up or the straight-up badassery of Arn Anderson 
is what's doing it for me, but Arn Anderson always will be the enforcer. We get a word from new TNT champion Sammy Guevara, and he says he welcomes all challengers, tells Bobby Fish to walk through the forbidden door. He's ready. Mark Henry interviews Mark Henry interviews Jack Evans and Orange Cassidy. And they'll be having a hair versus hair match tonight. Cassidy was like, what is this match? Mark tells him, if you lose, you get your head shaved. And Cassidy's like, in his laid-back ways, well, I guess I'm not going to lose. <laughs> so we go to the ring. Match starts with Orange's usual kick routine. Cassidy has control and isn't looking to give it up. Matt Hardy has to get involved uh, and uh, Dex Orange Cassidy from behind the referee's back which now puts Evans in control. The Hardy's front office make their way to the ring, but they get cut off by the Dark Order and the best friends. Uh, during all of this, Cassidy hits the orange punch and picks up the win in 10 minutes. For a And for a gimmick match, this was good, uh, but shouldn't be looked at as anything more. And what I mean by that is Orange Cassidy's great. I like him, but those little lackadaisical kicks and all that joking – until he gets to be moving at that speed that he gets to where he can do fantastic things, it's it's meant for comedy and meant for gimmicky ma- gimmicky match, which is what this hair versus hair match was. But it was good. After Danielson and Jackson and then Jade, Nyla Rose, and Thunder Rosa, this was a nice palate cleanser, and we go to you know to another way. Well done for AEW Rampage. Post-match, Matt Hardy and company retreat and leave Jack Evans to have his head shaved by the best friends and the Dark Order. Um, And then they share a hug with Brody Lee Jr., and that sends the fans home happy. Good show all around. In my opinion, I would give AEW Rampage a 4 out of 5 here if I was uh, uh, giving out, uh, you know, my review. 4 out of 5 stars. Excellent show. Now going on to NXT 2.0. And I must admit, I've been very hard on NXT 2.0 because this is not the same show that I've been watching for years. Um, things have changed. The color scheme, the wrestlers, a lot of guys were let go. A lot of guys found their way over to AEW. And I know, again, it's it's because of Vince McMahon and because of Nick Khan, because of a lot of other factors. But whatever the case may be, I said I'm going to grin and bear NXT because for this show... Uh, this, if you smell what they are just cooking, I have to give my fans equalness, both WWE and NXT and AEW. I can't just be all AEW because then it looks like I'm a fanboy who just jumped ship. I'm not going to do that. I would never do that. So show opens with highlights from last week's tag team brawl that took place. And we find out that tonight's main event will be MSK defending against the grizzled young veterans. Carmelo Hayes and Tricky Williams and Briggs and Jensen. That should be a fantastic fatal four-way for the tag team titles. We open up with Mandy Rose taking on Ember Moon, and on paper, this seems like a decent opener, but only time will tell. Moon got the upper hand, but thanks to Gigi and Jissy, Rose took over very quickly. Rose showed a major killer instinct here, unlike than she has in the past. Moon went for the Eclipse, but Rose got out of the way and then hit her V-trigger knee strike and got the win in seven minutes. And this was this was definitely a good choice for an opener. Uh, it wasn't, you know, off the rails again. It wasn't 100 miles an hour, but it was two women trying to show their stuff. That's exactly what they did. We hear from Legato del Fantasma, and they put Hit Row on notice. Escobar wants a shot at the North American Championship before Swerve leaves for SmackDown. I imagine that that's going to happen with Hit Row going to SmackDown and after Crown Jewel because the North American title is exclusive to NXT. So if that's the case and we're getting Escobar versus Swerve, give me it. I want it. Those two do fantastic when they're in the ring with each other. Let's see it. Odyssey Jones gets ready to take on LA Knight. Good contrast of styles here. Knight tries to keep his distance, but... Jones uses his power to throw Knight around the ring, literally making L.A. Knight look like a child. L.A. goes low and finally gets the upper hand and gains a near fall. Jones with the slam and once again in control, but Andre Chase causes a distraction, and this allows Knight to hit his finisher and get the win in four minutes. Kind of short, but 
good to progress the story between Chase and Jones and give LA Knight a much needed win here. Uh, he's kind of been in the L bracket lately. So good to see the former million dollar champion getting a much needed win. <clears throat> Cameron Grimes backstage tells McKenzie that he's looking for a lucky lady because it seems like everybody else has a woman with them at ringside. So why shouldn't he? He's interrupted by Pete Dunn and Pete challenges Cameron Grimes. But before Cameron even thinks of accepting, he goes off to speak to two beautiful ladies in the corner, introduces himself, and that kind of irks the women, and they just walk away. Oh, well. Uh, this is followed by Tommaso Ciampa heading into the ring, NXT arena for a promo. Before we hear from the NXT champ, Kyle O'Reilly asks Von Wagner why he's been helping him. Von lets Kyle know that it's because he doesn't like Dunn and Holland. Kyle asks Vaughn to let him handle things on his own and please not have his back, and then walks away. Back in the arena, Tommaso Ciampa lays out the challenge to anyone for Halloween Havoc. He's answered by newcomer Braun Breaker. This kid is going to be huge, and I'm happy that they are pushing him so quickly. Braun accepts, and Ciampa says he has three weeks to go from a rookie to a main eventer. Thank you, NXT. This is his, This is going to be absolutely fantastic and great. Braun Breaker not only sounds like a mixture of Rick and Scott Steiner, because that's his dad and his uncle, he looks like a mixture of both of them, and he moves like a mixture of both of them. So to see that powerhouse, who has amazing technical abilities, going up against Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT title so quickly, I cannot wait. Uh, I don't expect him to put the title on Braun this quickly, but it would be nice to see him stay in the title pitcher for a couple of months and then maybe, maybe get a title nod somewhere down the line. Joe Gacy again delivers another eerie promo from backstage and says tonight he will use the ring as our safe space. I don't know what this is leading to, but my interest is peaked. We see Indy Hartwell and her friend Parada talking and walking about the honeymoon that she just had with Dexter Loomis. Indy sees smoke and says, holy smokes, as she opens the door to Mei Ying and Boa, and they chase her out. This was, again, anything, I guess, having to do with Indy Hartwell from now on is going to be comedy. She sees this, smoke, holy smokes, and then she gets frightened, and she is doing fantastic in NXT, in my opinion. We then get Jiro versus Joe Gacy. So it's the jacket guy taking on the possible cult leader. This is a little too much comedy and not enough wrestling, in my opinion. Gacy hit a wicked-looking finish and gets the win in about the three-minute mark. And what I mean by this is he was hugging Jiro, wanting to shake hands, pat him on the back, and I want to make, telling him, I want to make you feel important. Jiro basically doesn't speak English except for a couple of words, so he looked flustered and weirded out. He then lifts up and hugs Jiro, and, and thank God this is over. Gacy notices Parker Bordeaux as he walks through the, you know, back into the uh, entryway. Parker Bordeaux with no hair is even more massive and mean looking than he was with the blonde hair. If you don't know who this young man is, he is being called the next Bron Le Brock Lesnar. Uh, they have a new name change for him. I have yet to find out what that name is just yet. So if any of my listeners want to let me know, please go right ahead and do so. Uh, but it's it's going to be nice to see when this youngster debuts and we see what he can actually do in the ring. A little vignette from Duke Hudson, who's now using a poker player gambler character. And I think I'm going to like this because I've generally liked the gambler um, in wrestling. WCW had one. WWE had one for a while back in the WWF days. So it'll be, it'll be fun to see what Duke Hudson can do here. Uh, Frankie Monet attacks Cora's original opponent, and it's now going to be Cora Jade taking on Frankie Monet. Uh, Frankie begins to take Jade down with chops and right hands in the corner. Frankie is making quick work of Jade on her debut. But Trey Baxter comes out to support his girlfriend, Cora Jade. Frankie applies a camel clutch and then slams Jade's face first into the mat. Frankie continues to keep control, but Jade hits a reversal and roll-up for a shocking win in just four minutes. So, in the last couple of weeks, <coughs> Frankie Monet lost to Raquel Gonzalez for the women's title, and that's understandable. Raquel was able to keep her belt 
and then Frankie loses now to Cora Jade. So she's kind of on the downward turn here. It'll be interesting to see where they go. Does she blame it on the Robert Stone brand? Does she look for something else? Who knows? But it was interesting to see that Frankie just took Cora Jade out, and then all of a sudden, boom, Cora gets the win. MSK are ba uh, pacing backstage, and then a brawl breaks out between all four teams in our main event. Um, it these All four of these teams, you've got two massive teams, big, husky, but also intelligent when it comes to technical ring work, and then a high-flying team with MSK and a high-flyer of Carmelo Hayes, and we've yet to see what Tricky Williams can do. So this is going to be an interesting main event. McKenzie speaks with Tommaso Ciampa, but they get interrupted by Joe Gacy. Hearing him speak further, now I get it. He's not a cult leader. He's a Karen. He feels everybody is not being included because he told uh, Tommaso Ciampa his words that anyone with balls should come out and uh, challenge him, accept his challenge. And Ciampa then looks at him dead in the eye and says, well, I'll tell you what, fight me next week, and if you beat me, I'll add you and whatever you are to the Halloween Havoc main event. This is going to be interesting. Um, I don't I don't know. My interest is peaked with Joe Gacy, but I don't know if I'm going to like where it's going. Who knows? We then go to Dunn versus Grimes. Pete Dunn versus Cameron Grimes. We start off with a standing switch, reversal of arm bars. Dunn gets the upper hand and begins his joint manipulation. Grimes tries to fight back, but Dunn has a full control and isn't letting up. Grimes finally uses his quickness and is able to fight back and deliver a brilliant dropkick in the corner, followed up by a splash from the top rope for a two. Dunn gets out of the way of the splash uh, on the ropes the second time, hits the fairy tale ending, and picks up the win in six minutes. This was, again, very short. I wish it would have been longer. They should have gotten 10 to 12 minutes, in my opinion, but it was still good. Both guys got to show off a little. Pete Dunn continues his winning ways. After the match, Kyle O'Reilly attacks Pete Dunn and is then being beaten down by Dunn and Holland. But Von Wagner hits the ring and comes to the aid again of uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Um, Hit Row answers Legato Del Fantasma and Swerve says yes to Escobar. They will have their battle for the NXT North American title. I think we're in for a great match between these two and a match of the year candidate because Isaiah Swerve Scott has been a standout star since he got to NXT. Same could be said about Escobar. Both men are former in, uh, Cruiserweight champions, so it should be fantastic. And then we come to Malachi Blade, or Malik Blade, excuse me, taking on a great Tony D'Angelo. Mr. Terio Stereotype makes his way to the ring. Since the last couple of weeks, we have seen this guy doing his promos, and let me tell you, they haven't been good, so let's see what he can do in the ring. The NXT crowd is actually cheering for Tony D'Angelo. What the fuck? <laughs> Long side headlock, but Blade tries for a pin to turn it around. Back to the headlock, and Tony takes him down with a shoulder block. Back to the headlock again. Jesus, is it 1993, and is this the WWF Superstar Show on Saturday morning? Tony D'Angelo is a throwback in character and ring style, but not in a good way. Blade hits a drop kick and could really could this really lead to an upset? Wow. D'Angelo hits a Northern Light suplex, though, out of nowhere, and then into a spinning fisherman buster. It was actually a really great-looking bridge. Gets the win in four, four minutes. Everything before the finish was kind of bad, and I, I, I can't stress that enough. But the finish looked incredible. It was, it was great. I'm on the fence about Mr. Stereotype Tony D'Angelo and his Sopranos-like way, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Quick word with Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams about tonight's Fatal 4-Way. These two are working well together, and we're going to see how well they can go tonight. Mei Ying takes on Indy Hartwell in a five-minute somewhat comedy match. Indy tries to gain control, but Mei just keeps shrugging her off and delivering huge shoulder blocks. Ying abuses Indy in the corner and locks in a reverse nerve hold. Ying puts Indy outside, goes for a kick, but Parada takes the shot instead. Indy throws Mei Ying back into the ring, hits her finisher, and gets the win in five minutes. Like I said, there was a little bit of comedy, a little bit of seriousness here. This is pretty much the way things are going to go, like I said, with anything Indy Hartwell, until they decide if her and her friend Parada are going to get a shot at the women's title. 
Tony D'Angelo wants to be on Lashing Out with Lash Legend. God, is this just a, oh, God. This is bad on all accounts. If they put Lash Legend with Tony D'Angelo, God. <sighs> Raquel Gonzalez makes her way to the NXT arena. The women's champ is tired of hearing about toxic attraction and says she is the best in the business, not just NXT. She gives a warning that if Mandy Rose touches her title again, she won't be posing for a million likes on Instagram anymore. But then he gets interrupted by Mandy and company. Toxic lets Raquel know that they're coming for all the gold in NXT, and this leads to Toxic Attraction trying to get to Raquel. However, Zoe Stark and Io Shirai, the NXT Women's Champions, come to the Women's Champions' aid, and Raquel has some backup. So... This is leading to some interesting developments in the women's division. And we are ready for our main event. MSK takes on the Grizzled Young Veterans, taking on Hayes and Williams, and taking on Jensen and Briggs. Started off with uh, some quick action with MSK taking it to Gibson of GYV. Briggs and Jensen tagged in and they used their size and power to take out both members of MSK and keep pace with the Grizzled Young Veterans. Carmelo flew over the top, taking out GYV, Jensen, and Briggs, which allowed Williams to get a near fall in the ring. Hayes and Williams took it to GYV on the outside. This allowed Briggs and Jensen to score several near falls on MSK inside the ring, but things got turned around. MSK got a quick roll-up and picked up the win and retained the titles in a 15-minute match. Great main event. <laughs> Outstanding, in my opinion. All four guys did an incre- all four teams did an incredible job. Briggs and Jensen hand the belts to MSK, showing a sign of peace. And uh, then Imperium attacks MSK after the match, but Briggs and Jensen came back to help the champs and end the show with the faces standing tall. It seems to me that NXT is back to putting on good shows and having worked out all the bugs since the reboot. My opinion, a 3.5 out of 5 is the rating here. I think they did a great job. A couple of still little plot holes and worrisome things going on there, but nothing too terrible. So if this is where we are with NXT, I'm all for it. And now we move to AEW Dynamite <coughs> from this past Wednesday night. And they open up with a match immediately. It's a eight-man tag as K- Christian Cage Brian Danielson and Jurassic Express are going to take on the Super Elite, which are Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Adam Cole. We will immediately go to the ring, and this is this is, is absolutely a great opener. Jungle Boy took it to Cole with kicks and uses his quickness. Christian came in. He and Jungle Boy double-teamed Cole a little more. The Bucks made the save, but Luchasaurus came in and took out both Matt and Nick apart throughout the entire ring. He gets taken over, and Omega and Danielson trade holds, but Danielson got the upper hand. Uh, the match broke down to all eight men being in the ring, and all of a sudden, Luchasaurus showed that he could be a major star. That choke slam and then standing shooting star press is absolutely unbelievable. Slight botch by the Elite when they went for a four-man powerbomb on Luchasaurus, but they recovered a hit a four-man BTE trigger on Jungle Boy, and pick up the win in a great 20-minute match. Uh, Well done. Incredible opener and great storyline progression between all eight men involved. Moxley lets us know that he's pissed off and intends to be showing it later tonight in the casino ladder match. More power to him. CM Punk makes his way to the ring and uh, delivers a promo about his humble beginnings in Philadelphia. Punk offers the crowd either cheesesteaks or they can watch him wrestle. And to me, it was a mixed reaction, but I kid, I kid. Crowd says they want to see Punk wrestle, so Punk challenges Daniel Garcia, who attacked him a few weeks ago before his matchup with Darby Allen. Uh, and this match will happen on Rampage this Friday night. Is it Friday yet? It is. <laughs> Arn Anderson lit a bonfire outside of Cody Rhodes' backyard, says it's symbolic of what Malachi Black has done. Cody comes down the stairs and says, what are you going to do to me? Shoot me, Arn? I, I thought that was hysterically funny, but this was all meant to be serious. Uh, we then get Sammy Guevara defending the TNT title against Bobby Fish. Good start with both men trading holds. Sammy tries Sammy tries to use his quickness, 
but Fish pulls him down from the ropes with a kick to the leg, and Sammy lands hard on his head. Fish uses kicks, knees, and elbows to keep Sammy down. They battled on the apron, and Fish maintained control, but Guevara kept fighting back. Fish went to the end to end it with a knee drop, but Guevara caught him and hit the GTH for the win at the 10-minute mark. Great matchup. Bobby Fish deserves to be in AEW. I hope that he gets signed. And uh, Sammy Guevara, this kid came out of nowhere. If you remember when we first started the show, when I first started reviewing AEW, <coughs> I didn't believe in Sammy Guevara. I thought he was just a young punk kid. But let me tell you, well done, Sammy Guevara. You have done amazing. American Top Team then comes to the ring and attacks Sammy after the match. Fuego Del Sol tries to make the save, but the numbers are just too much. And then all of a sudden, here comes Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. They hit the ring. The inner circle makes the save, and Dan Lambert grabs a mic. Lambert lays down a challenge. Jericho, Hager, and Guevara to take on Paige, Scorpio Sky, and Junior Dos Santos on October 18th in Florida. Jericho accepts. I'm all for it. Junior Dos Santos is a killer, monstrous machine. And to see him go up against Jake Hager and Jericho and everyone else involved, I hope it's the main event. The acclaimed challenge the Lucha Bros for a shot at the tag team titles could make for a good matchup. I'm for it. Tony Schiavone and Aubrey Edwards announced the newly activated TBS championship for the women's division. Also, Dynamite will move to TBS on January 5th. Big things are about to be happening in AEW, ladies and gentlemen. The TBS title looks fantastic. We're going to hear from some of the women who will be going after it a little later on in the show. JR asks Darby Allen about the comments MJF made about him last week. Darby tells JR the story about a car accident he had as a young kid with his uncle and how he faced death that day, but he survived and he will survive the battle with MJF as well. Allen then went on to take on uh, Nick Camarado of the um, factory with QT Marshall. Darby starts off quick but makes a little damage to Camarado. The big guy takes it to Darby with a slam and straight shots to the head. He flings Darby around the ring and to the outside, Darby finally makes a comeback and lands the coffin drop, picks up a big win here over Camarado at the eight-minute mark in a decent match. After the match, Sting no-sells QT Marshall, and that's good because no one should ever sell for QT Marshall. Backstage, the Dark Order are fully reconciled, and I'm happy to hear that. I like the Dark Order, uh, and we'll begin voting on everything for the group's well-being. This causes a small argument, but then Anna J, God bless her heart, Gets them back in line. Uh, Dante Martin talks about his recent success and how he has been showing off his abilities. And he is ready for anyone. The lights go out and, yeah, there's anyone. It's Malachi Black. Black uses the black mist and then his spinning heel kick and takes Martin's head off. Lights go back out. Lights come back on. Malachi gets the microphone and lets Martin know that he accepts his challenge. Wow. So not only is he going to destroy the Rhodes family, he's going to kill Dante Martin in the process. Um, Back from a quick commercial and Ricky Starks wants to call out Brian Cage. He says Cage isn't in attendance, but apparently Ricky is lying. And here comes an exploding Brian Cage takes it to Ricky Stark, but then Hobbs and uh, Hook, Make the save. Team Taz pulls Stark out of the ring. I guess this was just filler. I'm okay with it, though. I like Ricky Stark and the way that he delivers his uh, promos. We then hear from a number of women on the roster, as I said earlier, about the new TBS Women's Champions, such as Ruby Soho and uh, uh, other great women on the roster uh, who have tried to become the, the AEW Women's Champion, but, you know, they've fallen a little short. So be it. Sheeta then takes on Serena Deeb, and if Sheeta wins here, she will be the first woman to reach 50 wins. Deeb seems to be playing the heel here, as every time Sheeta tries to release a hold, she smacks her. Sheeta turns it up a bit and hits Deeb with multiple headbutts and follows it up with a running knee lift. Deeb hits a neckbreaker on the ropes. And Sheeta is down down on the outside. Sheeta attempts to come back, but Deeb 
locks in the Texas Cloverleaf, and Sheeta has no choice but to tap out at the 12-minute mark. Deeb hits Sheeta over the head after the match with her 50-match award and then walks away. She leaves the announcers and myself guessing, is Serena Deeb now a heel? Was she maybe upset that Sheeta's getting all this attention? I'm not, not really sure. Backstage, Darby Allen answers and accepts the challenge of MJF for next week. And just then, a limo pulls up and a masked man hits Darby with a chair. Three other masked men get out of the limo and all four beat down Darby. The announcers think it's MJF in the pinnacle, and it does look like that because one of them delivers Wardlow's um, finisher. Uh, but whoever it was, I'm intrigued. <laughs> and next week, we are getting MJF taking on Darby Allen. And then we hear from Leo Rush, cuts a backstage promo and gives advice to Dante Martin before his match with Malachi Black. I'm not a Rush fan. This guy has now retired and come back to wrestling five or six times. And it just seems to me that over the last two years, he he knows he isn't that good to stick around for the long haul. So whenever it gets too big for him or he can't handle it or he can't deliver, he just, I'm going to retire. And then, hey, guess what, y'all, I'm back. Britt Baker says backstage to Tony Schiavone that she is happy that there is now a TBS title. Now all the other women can go and fight for that and leave her alone at the top, which I thought was priceless. And then it is time for the Casino Battle Royal. <clears throat> this was a long match, so you got to bear with me when I tell you what happened here. So just strap in, pop open another beer, and hear me out. Pac and Orange Cassidy start us off. Orange starts off with his normal, unenthusiastic uh, bit. Pac isn't having it and breaks him in half with a backbreaker out of nowhere. Cassidy looks for a tornado DDT, but Pac reverses it into a brainbuster. The counter counts down, and here comes Andrade as our third member into the match. He brings uh, the biggest ladder to the uh, to the ring, but Pac drop kicks the ladder right back into Andrade and goes to climb another ladder inside the ring, but Andrade springboards and lands right next to him and cuts him off from getting up the ladder. Uh, we then see Andrade hit a power bomb, and that sends Pac crushing down to the mat. Uh, our next person out is Matt Hardy. So now Orange Cassidy has a buddy. The crowd goes mild as Matt Hardy jogs to the ring. Hardy goes right after Orange Cassidy, leaving Pac and Andrade to battle on the other side. Lance Archer enters next and just destroys everybody in the ring. Pac tried to turn it around, but to no avail. Moxley is out next, and he buzzsaws through everyone and is leaving only the Joker left to come out. Moxley and Archer are on one side. Pac and Andrade are on another side, and Cassidy and Hardy are on the outside. Timer clicks down, and the Joker is Adam Page. The hangman is back, and it is time for some cowboy shit, ladies and gentlemen. Hangman Adam Page puts Pac through a table from the top of the ladder. Hardy lands a leg drop and puts Cassidy through another table. Mox and Page are fighting on top of another ladder back and forth. Moxley finally falls off. Hangman climbs the rest of the way, grabs the poker chip, and Adam Page now is the number one contender and has a future World Heavyweight title shot against Kenny Omega. This show hit on every cylinder, and it was fantastic. In my opinion, AEW Dynamite gets five out of five for me. It was great. All the wrestling this week was great on TV for Dynamite, uh, for AEW and NXT. I cannot say the same for WWE on Raw and SmackDown, but that's fine. It was possibly, though, this Dynamite episode was the best of the week. And I really enjoyed what we were presented with. With the return of Adam Page, the fans exploding was just so natural and amazing when they saw Adam hit the ring. Adam said afterwards with an interview with Tony Schiavone that uh, he's back. He's not sure when he's going to decide when he wants his title shot, but that he will do his best to uh, do it soon. Uh, he mentioned the Dark Order and said that he's just got to figure things out, but that he should be uh, talking to some friends saying some things, some some stuff that he should be to some people he left on things undone with very, very soon. So, 
Here's to Adam Page and to a great week of NXT and AEW once again in the wrestling world. And now it is time for what grinds my gears. <sighs> you know, you guys are going to start to think that I'm a woman hater. That I like to bash the women's division or women's wrestlers. Because it seems like a lot of what grinds my gears this day and age in the professional wrestling is what the women are doing. That couldn't be anything further from the truth. I think that we have a lot of intelligent women in the wrestling business such as Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, Sheeta, Britt Baker, um, Rebel, who's with Britt Baker. Um, you know, I think that there are a lot more. Ruby Soho. I could name you a bunch of women that I think are fantastic in the ring. Technically, high-flying, good all-around wrestlers. So I'm not a woman's hater. I want to I want to make that clear to you. I like women's wrestling. I was happy when the women's evolution happened. But this past week in an interview, Lana made comments that maybe if she looked more like Charlotte Flair, she would have won a world title in WWE. Let me tell you why that's bullshit. <laughs> Lana, it had nothing to do with your looks because you were absolutely gorgeous when you were the ravishing Russian. And then even once you dropped the Russian accent, you still had your moments and you were still beautiful. You you definitely were great at photo shoots and, you know, making little boys look at you on Instagram. But you were horrible in the ring. Just like Eva Marie. Just like Naomi just like a lot of other women that are on the roster. You were horrible in the ring, and you could not get the job done. So, because you couldn't get the job done, you were eventually let go. The reason you never got a shot at the women's title cleanly is because you were too worried about dancing on TikTok. You were too worried about Instagram subscribers. You were too worried about who was going to like your next video. You didn't train. You were great at going through an announce table. What was it, seven times? Bravo. You never you never made it on Botchamania one time with that table not breaking on you. But you were terrible in the ring. Just like Eva Marie, who only cares about her subscriber count. Her videos, doesn't know how to sell. Just like Naomi, who used to dance with you on TikTok. <clears throat> and other women in this business who only care about social media. You were let go, and you no longer have a job in the wrestling business. Now, I have said this before on this show. Go to AEW. Go with Rusev. Be his mouthpiece. So this way he doesn't always sound stupid when he talks. You were great at that. Don't wrestle. We don't want to see you wrestle. Okay? Wear skimpy tight suits. Put your hair back up in a bun. Dye them platinum blonde again. And talk. You're bad at wrestling. You almost hurt people on multiple occasions. You are a botch fest. And nobody cares to see you in that ring ever again. So it had nothing to do with you looking like Charlotte Flair, which I don't know what if that was a a, a, a shot at Charlotte Flair. Uh, Charlotte Flair happens to be very good looking when she wants to, and when she wants to look like a beast in the ring, that's what she does. Okay? And this isn't just me defending Charlotte Flair. Lana has said multiple times that other women didn't want to put her over and didn't want to do anything for her. Well, you can't put somebody over that almost killed you in the ring. You can't put somebody over that isn't doing anything for the division. And you can't put somebody over who barely knows how to take a body slam. Okay? You sucked in the ring. You were only good at playing the victim. And you know how to talk. So either be a manager or 
Don't worry about being in the wrestling business anymore. Stick to modeling. Stick to TikTok dancing. Do TikTok challenges. Have a baby with Rusev and enjoy your life. You're still young. There is no reason for you to worry about the wrestling business. We're celebrating AJ Lee coming back because of what a pioneer she was for the women's division. We are upset that Paige can't come back because of neck injuries, because she was a pioneer for the women's division. We were upset when Becky Lynch left to have a baby because she was a pioneer for the women's division. We want to see Bianca Belair be athletic. We want to see Sasha Banks be devious. We want to see Nia Jax, when she does come back, be the monster she's supposed to be without killing somebody. We want to see Shayna Baszler be a Terminator. We don't want to see Lana dancing. We don't want to see you worrying about a subscriber count. We don't want to see you worrying about TikTok. So it had nothing to do with your looks. It had to do with your wrestling ability and your attitude. I hope that that came off as nicely as possible. P.S. You suck. (laughs) So I want to thank you guys for joining me once again on the show. Thank you for continuing to support the WrestleNet Radio and all the shows that we have on here. Uh, we Can't Wrestle Podcast, Slice of Time, The Year That Was, uh, some of our new shows that are debuting, uh, Reliving the Extreme with Nate, uh, Chad, and uh, Aaron. Thank you guys for being here with us week in and week out. I will see you next week for more action, more NXT more AEW. And until next time, I'll see you on If You Smell Now What the Arch Is.